Welcome to the Healthcare Marketing Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to providing effective marketing strategies for dentists, independent physicians, and multi-location medical practices. Far too many doctors struggle to establish their brand online and consistently increase their new patient appointments. Join Lamar Hull of MedRank Interactive as he interviews marketers, doctors, and healthcare professionals who share proven healthcare marketing secrets. So welcome everyone to another installment of the Digital Deep Dive. This is our eighth of ninth, and I dare say this is probably my favorite topic. Um, I'm really excited uh, that uh, to be joined by Lamar Hull, owner and principal at uh, MedRank Interactive. Uh, Lamar and I worked together uh, back uh, at Red Ventures, um, and you know he is. Uh, an all-out uh, organic search guru. Um, you know, he he managed outreach teams uh, at Red Ventures and has done a lot of unique experiences uh, since uh, uh, leaving there and now owning his own uh, agency. Uh, another fun fact: uh, Lamar played uh, basketball uh, at Davidson, uh, I think, with with Steph Curry as well, right, uh, Lamar? Yeah, I was a senior when he was a freshman. Okay, and uh, and also pro basketball in Europe. So but Lamar has done all sorts of cool stuff, and and I'm really excited for him uh, to kind of share uh, with our group about uh, his agency as well as uh, you know his experience with Google Analytics and Search Console. So Lamar, I'll turn it over to you. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Taylor, um, for introducing uh, me and and my agency. Thank you for the kind words. Um, so. So I'm Lamar, um, I'm the founder of MedRank Interactive. Uh, we're a, a digital marketing agency that exclusively help uh, medical practices, dentists, and independent physicians uh, with their comprehensive marketing strategy. So that can you know, start from all the way, you know, from Google, SEO, down to website design, social media, um, paid advertisement, email marketing. So anything that encompasses online search or online behaviors we help our, our clients get new patients and develop their brand online. Um, uh, again, Taylor, thank you again for having me kind of uh, go into a deep dive into Google Analytics and Search Console, um, uh, you know, the digital deep dive on the behalf of AMA. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to jump into, you know, uh, you know this, this topic, but there's 27 slides. Um, I think the stats are every um, three slides, you spend about five minutes. So I'm going to try to get through as much as I can. Um, but don't hesitate to ask questions. Um, but we'll cover a lot on, on this, on this, uh, on this uh, webinar. So we'll jump right into it. So a high level overview of Google Analytics and what we'll discuss today. Google Analytics, as you all know, is a, a web, a free web marketing platform that really helps you analyze how customers are interacting with your website. Um, so a few things that we'll focus on today and some of the things that we focus on for our clients um, within our agency are goals. So we look at strategic objectives of theirs and how to help those users become, uh, you know, patients or they take some type of action and we measure that performance. Um, we'll look at new versus returning um, customers or, or website visitors. So it's important to understand uh, what type of users or what type of sessions you're getting within Google Analytics and how that relates to your marketing performance. 
we'll talk through behavior flow. So we'll get a good understanding of um, how to analyze, uh, you know, the funnel from visitors landing on the home page or the blog page and uh, transitioning through uh, their last interaction. Uh, we'll also look at all traffic. So we do a lot of measuring, uh, you know, against different marketing channels. So we really want to understand, you know, which marketing channel is performing, um, which one needs more attention, uh, where can, you know, the client add more budget uh, to those channels that have high performance. Uh, we'll look at site speed. So site speed is very important. Um, it's all about user experience. If users are not having a good experience in terms of your site just being slow, uh, you're not going to rank in Google. It's gonna be hard to convert them from a lead to a customer. Uh, we'll talk about site content. So we'll look at uh, or get a good understanding of which site or which pages uh, are getting the most traffic and then understanding are there areas of opportunities with pages that need more attention. And then lastly, from a Google, Google Analytics standpoint, we'll look at reporting. So I'll uh, show you guys a sample report that we create for our clients based on a lot of the Google Analytics data that we'll discuss today. And then also Search Console. So as you know, Search Console is a free online tool as well, uh, brought to you by Google. Um, the main focus here is uh, to look at how your website is interacting uh, or performing in Google search results. And so we'll get a good understanding of uh, all different types of um, features within this platform. Um, so what we'll focus on today is search performance report within the Search Console um, platform. And we'll compare that against Search Analytics for Sheets. I'm not sure uh, you know, if a lot of you've heard of Search Analytics for Sheets, but we prefer that tool over the Search Performance Report, and I'll explain why. URL inspection, so really it's indexing, making sure that Google is uh, indexing your pages within their uh, algorithm and their search results to show that page uh, for your targeted keywords. The coverage report really looks at which pages Google um, has already uh, interacted with and indexed and put in their database. Sitemap report, we'll talk through really kind of forcing Google to see all the different pages and posts that they should be um, analyzing and indexing and so forth. Uh, we'll talk through the mobile usability reports. So the key here is most people are on their smartphones these days, right? So if your mobile experience doesn't equate to them feeling good about their, you know, their overall engagement and experience with your website, then you're gonna miss out on a lot of opportunity here. So we'll talk through that. Manual actions are, are pretty critical uh, when it comes to the Search Console platform. Uh, Google will actually communicate with you through this platform to inform you of any issues that is going to pull your website out of the search results. So we'll, we'll talk through that. Um, security issues is more about uh, user-generated spam content or if your website's been, been hacked. So we'll talk about how to deal with that. And then lastly, links report. Um, so this is one of my favorite topics as Taylor alluded to when we worked together at Red Ventures, uh, manage a lot of, uh, you know, backlink processes and strategies. So we'll talk through why it's important to make sure you have a, a quality and sound backlink portfolio. All right, so we'll jump right into Google Analytics and I'm not gonna go through, I'm gonna skip setting up Google Analytics. I'm sure a lot of you know how to do that, so we'll skip over that, but there's a, there's a link there to show you how to set up Google Analytics. It's pretty simple, um, but from a goal standpoint, the purpose of a goal is really, again, there's an objective and you're trying to get your user to take action to meet a conversion. So 
within Google Analytics platform, it's pretty easy to set up. Um, if you log in, and, and we'll get to you know a section in this in this uh, webinar where I'll show you some interactions with our Google Analytics accounts. But for this point, uh, you can see how to set up a, a goal based on uh, whatever you're trying to measure. So at the bottom of your Google Analytics account, you'll see a gear. And then from there, you'll land on a page where it says all website data. And then you just wanna click on goals there. The next step is just click on plus, the plus sign for the new goal. And then the fourth option is uh, custom setup. So essentially there's all these different setup options for you know, creating new goals. But to keep this simple, um, and a lot of our clients that we work with are, are doctors or independent physicians. So their websites are very basic. There's no e-commerce um, you know, monetization that's happening on the back end. It's more a patient lands on a booking appointment page. They're gonna fill out that information and then submit a request to uh, request an appointment for whatever medical treatment they have. So we'll stick to custom uh, for this, this example. Step five and step six. So you wanna name your goal. So again, for that example that I alluded to earlier, if the client lands on a, or a patient lands on a book an appointment page on the dental practices website, uh, we would name this goal book an appointment because that's what we wanna measure. The goal slot ID, this will stay the same because Google's just going to, um, you know, they're just gonna see all the different goals that you've created and they're gonna categorize them based on that. So there's nothing you need to change there. The different types, it's, this is a pretty important part of setting up your goal um, to show the conversion um, as you show the performance behind that data. So uh, the destination is what we really focus on. It's in the destination, all that is, is they're landing on a specific landing page. So for example, if, again, back to the dentist uh, scenario, if the patient lands on the book an appointment page and they click on, or they fill out the form and they click submit, they're gonna land on a thank you page that just says, hey, thank you for contacting um, or booking an appointment with our practice. Uh, someone will reach out to you shortly. So essentially we're creating an experience for them to land on that thank you page, but we're tracking that within Google Analytics. And uh, uh, Lamar, I'll just jump in because I know we've had conversations over the course of the series. You know, this is why it's important for you to have like a dedicated thank you page versus just popping a thank you on the, you know, the same page. Uh, there are ways to, to track conversions that way, but it's cleaner if you have a unique, like, you know, you can see like the example on Lamar's screen is thanks.html. If you have a unique one, it's very easy to, to track this way. Yeah, exactly, Taylor. And so I'm just gonna go to a client's website um, as we're, uh, you know, as we're, you know, talking about this specific setup. So once it loads, it'll have a thank you page for, um, it just will have a form essentially on the, uh, on a contact us or book an appointment page. I'm not sure why it's not loading because my internet. But, but essentially you get the idea. It's, it's a thank you page that they land on. The duration, the different types that you can add for a goal, duration is more so for if you want to measure, let's say if someone stays on your website for two to three minutes. Um, you definitely want to make sure that you're not on the low end of time, the time frame, and not on the high end. Because if someone's on your site, or most people are probably going to be on your website for at least, let's say, 30 seconds to a minute. So you, you want to make sure that you're not tracking everyone. And then on the high end, if you're saying, let's track every six, you know, if someone's on the site for six minutes as a goal, 
a lot of people may not make it to that number. So you want to be somewhere in between, but essentially we don't track duration um, because there's other features within Google Analytics that we'll talk about that tracks overall, you know, uh, funnel performance within the uh, site sessions. Uh, pages, screens per session is a goal that you can set up as well. So essentially there, you're telling Google Analytics you want to track the goal for if someone stays on your website and they go to multiple pages. So if they land on the home page and they go to the, you know, service page and then if they go to the smile gallery page, then you're tracking that as a conversion. Um, but for us, that really doesn't matter. We can look at, you know, the funnel based on behavior flow. Events, um, I will say this is probably another one that could be, if I would rank these different types, I would put duration or destination one, event two, pages three, and then duration four. But events is more so for if they have a PDF and you know someone can download that PDF on the website, or if there's a video you want to uh, track how, how long people are watching those videos outside of like you know utilizing YouTube then an event, you'd have to have a developer to add uh, your variables on the back end of that event so that you can track that data. So it is a little more complex um, and you can also use Google Tag Manager. But for this specific situation, we'll talk about uh, the destination as the goal type. So exactly what Taylor was alluding to when it comes to setting up the destination uh, goal type. So there are three options here. Typically, you're going to use the equals to option. Let me see if this website came up. There we go. So here's the contact us page. And there's a form here. Once they fill that out, they'll land on the thank you page. Um, but when they land on that thank you page, it's going to have, if you can see at the bottom right hand corner of uh, this slide, it shows uh, MetaRank Interactive. It shows our contact page. And then it also shows a, a link for the thank you page. And then it also, at the bottom, it says equals to, and it has the trailing permalink of thank, thank dash you. So essentially where it says equals to, you would in, all you would need to put there is the forward slash thank dash you forward slash. Um, this is pretty much, because this page doesn't change. Every time someone lands on, let's say this form, and they land on a thank you page, that URL is never gonna be dynamic. It's just gonna say, thank you. Um, so you can add that feature or that permalink into this, this section here. Now there's two other options here. So it's begins with and the regular expression. So begins with, we never really use that because that's gonna, that's mainly for, or not mainly for, but you'll see that more so incorporated on uh, e-commerce websites. For example, Amazon. So if it begins with, the URL is gonna stay the same, but the, the trailing permalink is going to change dynamically. So an example is when you go to Amazon and you buy a product and you click on the checkout page, the checkout page is going to still say checkout, but you're, you as a consumer, are gonna you're gonna have your own customer ID. So every customer is gonna see that, that permalink that says checkout and then it's gonna say ID, whatever that customer ID is, that's dynamically, dynamically generated. So it begins with, you can use that type of uh, permalink for that specific goal tracking. And then regular expression is more, it's again more used for e-commerce as well. So let's say if you go on Amazon and you are, you're looking at a product, but that product's under five different categories. It doesn't matter where you go to buy that product under whatever category, you're still going to land on a thank you page 
that's going to be a, allow you to purchase that product for that for whatever category that's under. So there's a lot of coding and a lot of um, dynamic uh, uh, information you have to put on the back end of the website for that to work. So to Taylor's point, we typically just make it very simple. It's going to be the uh, the trailing permalink for the thank you page that you'd put here. Um, Lamar, we did have a question uh, from the chat. Um, so if you have multiple uh, contact forms, perhaps for different purposes, uh, is it best practice uh, to have all, them all go to the one unified thank you page or should you have a thank you page for each? That's a really good question. So <clears throat> it's the latter. So essentially, let's say if we have, for like for our medical practice, we have a subscribe now option or a subscribe, a subscribe now field in the footer. And then let's say on the, like the dental implants page, there's a sidebar that has a contact form option. And then there's a contact us page that has its own form. So you want to uniquely identify where these users are going to submit that thank you page and what marketing channel they're coming from. So to your point, Yes, you want to have different thank you pages for each form so that you can track that accordingly. Right. Does that answer your question? Yep. Perfect. So value, if, if you have a value you can associate with the, the goal completion, um, you can add a monetary value there. Typically, we don't do that for a medical practice because that person still has to go into the office. They still have to they have to schedule the appointment or get it scheduled on the books and then go in the office and then make the payment. So we just, we leave that um, blank there, but it is optional. And then the funnel is if you want to assume how many pages that person is going to go to, to get to that thank you page, you can create a funnel. So for example, you would say funnel one is they're going to go to the homepage first, then they're going to go to the dental implants page, and then they're going to land on the thank you page. So you can just track, the actual performance and the engagement and what's happening through that funnel. But typically you can see that data in the behavior flow um, uh, feature that we'll talk about uh, later on. And then lastly, it's the verify this goal. So you can see if, if you click verify this goal, typically when you're setting this up, that goal is not going to have any data, but you can see the conversions uh, for the past seven days for that thank you page. All right, so now we'll jump into new versus returning. Um, so once we get to the reporting at the end, you'll, you'll see why this is an important metric to analyze. So for us, we, new versus returning is tricky, but we wanna see the trends in terms of if they're ranking higher in Google, if they're getting more visibility on so social media, are they trending in the right direction of getting new visitors and returning visitors? And if they're getting returning visitors, how, how are those returning visitors engaging uh, with the content? So new visitors is when someone lands on your website and they land on that website for the first time, whether that's you know, on a device or um, a, a different browser. But the caveat there is if that user lands on your website on their desktop computer and then they go on their smartphone Google's still going to count them as a new user, even though they did it twice, but on two different devices. So the, the data can be can have some discrepancy there. But again, for us, it's more about the trend. So um, you just have to take that kind of with a grain of salt where, it's, you know, new visitors are not going to 
provide the true insights of that person was an actual new, new visitor. Um, returning visitor is someone who, let's say they, they've been on your website a hundred times um, and they've had a hundred sessions. Uh, Google is going to count them as a returning user or a returning visitor. So what for us is really, is that person engaging if they're returning? Um, is there a high bounce rate? And you can see in this graph, both new and returning, and this is just for the last 30 days, um, they had high bounce rate. We're, we are getting more new versus returning users, but new, new users in this case is not spending a lot of time on the website. So we need to look at what our keyword, how our keywords are performing based on us ranking for uh, keywords to make sure that we're capturing that audience as they land on the website. And then lastly, you can segment this data by different um, metrics or different dimensions, such as you can look at uh, new versus returning based on organic traffic or paid search traffic, social media traffic, and so forth. All right, so this is where we'll, we'll talk through behavior flow, but we'll get into more um, inter like an interactive piece. So I'm gonna go to our Google Analytics account. And for this, for this purpose, uh, we're gonna show you a behavior flow for MedRank Interactive. So how you access the behavior flow feature is you just go to behavior and then you click on behavior flow. Um, typically we look at landing page uh, data. So this first column here, you can see the landing page that they originally landed on. And then the starting page is essentially the same thing um, it's just saying here's when they start taking action. Um, but the key point here is when you look at these different inter interactions as they go through the funnel, um, you can see where the traffic is going through, meaning it's that, that initial interaction is, is transferring to more pages that they're landing on, which is keeping them engaged on the website. And then the drop-off traffic here <clears throat> is where there's a lot of opportunity. Typically the homepage is gonna have a lot of drop-off unless it's ranking for a lot of uh, specific um, long tail keywords, um, but short tail keywords, meaning that there's not as many keywords in the phrase, um, you're just gonna see a lot of drop off, um, even though Google's ranking for those keywords. But what to, to look at here as you go through the funnel to kind of understand and analyze how users are engaging with your website. So this next first interaction, you can click on, if you see more pages anywhere, in any of these columns, when you click on it and you group, click on group details, you can see the top pages <clears throat> with, you know, within that interaction. You can see the sessions, you can see the percent of traffic, and you can also see the drop-off rate. So this can give you more insights to specific pages as they relate to the interactions. Um, more so specifically, let's say for, for this example, we'll look at the homepage. So if you click on this first node here, and you click on highlight traffic through here, you then, can, you then can review what's really happening with the homepage and that page's funnel. So for this example, we can see all, like when they land on the homepage, they're going to uh, our team page, the blog page, uh, the SEO page, um, the SEO dental page, and then you know, the other more pages within the, um, within the interaction. But what I'll note here is that Typically, our goal is for MedRank Interactive to drive blog, like drive blog-related content, so that we can be industry leaders and and show our expertise in the medical space. So, if I right-click on or click on the blog data, 
you'll see that out of the eight people that visited this page in the last 30 days, the through traffic was 75%, the drop off was 25%. So that means, that means like once they get to the blog page, they're actually engaging with the site much more and they're continually going through the funnel, which is important for us because we wanna be seen as industry leaders uh, in, in the field. So how we analyze this is we take this data and say, okay, how can we put more blog topical content on the homepage since the traffic is flowing through better? There's a, there's a higher percentage of traffic that's going from the blog. So 75% of traffic going from the blog to um, more pages within the, the website. So this begs the question, how do we put more blog content on the homepage or make it more visible so that we can keep people on the site to take action? So essentially, you know, for the, the behavior flow, this is key to really understand, are there any pages that um, are causing uh, bad experiences or is a bottleneck for the funnel of interaction engagement for you to convert leads into customers? All right, so we'll go back to uh, Google Analytics. So we'll talk through all traffic. Um, so most of what we focus on is our, our comprehensive marketing strategies um, focus on direct uh, SEO referral and social media. So with direct traffic, so how we position it when we bring on a new client and they're asking what is our marketing strategy, our first step is to really rank them for non-brand keywords in Google. So if they're a dental practice, so we, we have, I would say 80% of our clients are dentists. So if they need to rank for dentists in Ballantyne, North Carolina, our focus is to rank them for that non-brand keyword because I think the stats are 40% of people, or there's 40%, and this is probably before COVID-19, but 40% of people, um, or 40 people were moving to Charlotte per day. I think that the stats were somewhere in there. And with that example, we wanna make sure that we capture that audience because if 40 people are moving to Charlotte per day, they do not know which dentist to go to. They're gonna go on Google and they're gonna search dentists and Valentine. So our strategy is to rank them in Google for non-brand keywords first. And then from there, once they're known and they get referrals, then we focus on the branded strategy. And then it becomes comprehensive with social media and direct traffic and uh, referral traffic. So typically what we look for and what you can see in this graph is we're comparing uh, month over month. Uh, so you can select that option within the, uh, at the top filter, the date filter in the top right hand corner. But essentially direct traffic uh, within Google Analytics is looking at the person actually type the website directly into their browser. Now, sometimes this, this data can have uh, discrepancies as well because sometimes there's data where Google does not know how to classify this, this information or where this person came from. So they'll just put it in the direct traffic. Um, organic search is all your, your search platforms, Google, uh, Yelp, or sorry, Google, Bing, and Yahoo, and all the other search engines. So they actually went to a search engine, searched a keyword, and clicked on your website. Referral traffic is when you're getting your web, like let's say you, you guys have clients, right? And you're getting that client mention on another website. So for example, you build a directory listing on Yelp and a user goes to Yelp and types in whatever, whatever that keyword is, and they land on your client's Yelp profile. When they land on that client's Yelp profile, they'll see website. When they click on the website, they're redirected. And once that redirection happens, uh, Google Analytics records, uh, records that as a re referral. Um, 
And then lastly, social is really, it encompasses all of these social media channels, uh, that data that you're pulling in from traffic, where if you create a social media post and you put the, you know, the website in the post content and someone clicks on that link, it redirects their website, that's classified as social media uh, web traffic. And what we'll see is, and this is what we see with all analytics data, is that direct and organic search is typically the highest performing. Um, organic search is going to be the highest converting um, outside of uh, direct traffic. Once someone knows who you are, that typically becomes um, high performing traffic as well. All right, so we'll talk about site speed. So site speed is very important because again, it, it reflects on the user experience. I think the threshold now is four seconds or less. So on desktop and mobile, your website should be loading uh, faster than four seconds. In this case, if, when you see this graph, it's 8.88 seconds. So that's too slow. Um, also, what we'll look at is, uh, we'll look at this data per landing page. So we can see that if there's a landing page that's a bottleneck in terms of its speed, maybe it has a video on the landing page or maybe the images are not optimized, but uh, we can see that one of these pages or multiple pages is causing the whole entire website to slow down, which is going to affect how you rank in Google, um, but also uh, the user experience. So what we love about Google Analytics as well, it has site speed suggestions. So if you go to behavior, you click on site speed and then speed suggestions, you'll see this page at the bottom where it gives, it gives six total suggestions. But really all this does is if you click on six total suggestions, it takes you to space, uh, page speed insights. So this URL essentially is just a search field where you would type in your, your URL and it's gonna spit out some data that's, that tells you how slow your website is based on all these different factors. Um, the desktop, there's another version of that is GT metrics. Most people like to use that. It provides very concise um, and uh, usable data. And then you also wanna look at your mobile speed. So this link as well, I uh, think with Google, will we'll send you a whole report on your mobile uh, speed performance. But what we'll do is we'll show you, so essentially we use, uh, particularly we use GT metrics. And so in this case, uh, MedRank Interactive got a page speed score uh, of a B rating, but you can see the load time uh, during this time frame was 15.1 seconds. If you look at the, the recommendations below that, you'll see that most of the factors that would slow your website down is, is high performing, but leverage uh, browser caching is the biggest issue here as it has, a, has an F rating. And this is typically what we see with all clients. And lever, leverage browser caching, all that means is you're putting code on the back end of the website that tells, uh, tells uh, the browsers that this is how long you're, you're okay with them storing files that will not change on your website. So what that means is, let's say a file is your logo. Your logo is typically not gonna change. Um, you may have headers uh, on certain pages that are not gonna change. There's certain images or videos that will not change on your website. So you can actually tell uh, browsers uh, through leveraging uh, browser caching that uh, when a user is on your website, anytime they're requesting to load your website, it's not having to retrieve that data that can stay the same, such as your logo. And what happens is this is reduces the uh, load speed time. And so this is something that you should be doing with you know, all your websites uh, when it comes to increasing the speed 
there's all other issues that, you know, optimizing images, um, the JavaScript, uh, videos, too many videos and so forth. But before I go on, from our, uh, do, you, do you use Pingdom at all for, for some of this to see the waterfall? Well, I, I guess this one has a waterfall too now that I, I'm looking at your screen. So GT metrics, I put that in the chat or I pinged them. Sometimes it's good to see the waterfall to see what particular asset is like slowing you down. Cause sometimes it's very clear. Like there's one, one thing that's just crushing you. Yeah, you're exactly right. So we, we use all of those. What we'll do is we'll, we'll do a comparison because all of them, which you'll notice, they won't give you, they'll give you similar data, but they're not going to give you the exact same data. So you just have to kind of take the information and then say, okay, here's what, here's, yeah. here's the major issue. Um, so with the levering, specifically to the levering, uh, leverage browser caching issue, we'll use, if you have WordPress, a WordPress website, we'll use um, WP Cache um, or WP Rocket. Um, if, if you have a developer, they can make adjustments within the HT access file, but that's more complex. Um, you would need a developer to really know what they're doing <laughs> to make those type of changes. Um, also, uh, just really having a good hosting provider um, so we recommend WP Engine, SiteGround, um, Kinsta. The customer service is great, but they also just really help with a lot of the speed issues that you'd see on a, on a typical website. All right, so site content behavior. So really this report um, can be found under behavior and then all pages. So what we look at here is really when we, when we analyze the, on a monthly basis, the pages that are getting the most traffic, and typically the home page is gonna be, uh, it's always gonna get the most traffic. But let's say a medical practice that we're working with, they have multiple locations. And uh, we want, so let's say if we look at the top five or top 10 pages, and two of their pages or two of their locations are in the top five most visited pages. But then one of their locations, um, it has a landing page, but it's, maybe the 20th page down. We need to really dig into that and understand why that page is not getting uh, equal or uh, similar traffic. And so what we'll think about is, well, if these pages in the top five or top 10 are getting a ton, you know, a ton of traffic, how can we add call to actions to these landing pages to, to get the uh, non-performing pages more traffic? So for example, on the home page, if the medical practice, let's say they have a Concord location and it's not getting a lot of traffic, we can maybe add a call to action or, or a book an appointment to our Concord Mills location or our Concord Mills location is our featured location and it's placed higher up on the homepage because it does get a lot of traffic and we can you know, you know, steer some of that traffic towards the Concord Mills location. So this, this report really helps us to dig down into the pages to see which ones are performing and how we can lift some of the other pages that need to get um, more visibility based on the, the client's uh, you know, goals and, and, and uh, strategic uh, measures. All right, so a lot of insights on uh, Google Analytics. Um, we'll, we'll kind of uh, talk, talk about that more here, here in a second, but we'll also look at Search Console. So we'll dig into this um, platform as well. So just like Google Analytics, Search Console is a free platform offered by Google. And uh, it, its main focal point is really to understand how your site is performing uh, within Google search results. So uh, from a performance report standpoint, when you go into uh, Search Console, so I'm gonna actually go to uh, our MetaRank account. So you can see uh, for the performance report, 
it really focuses on um, some of the, the key metrics, which is total clicks to your website. And again, all of this is data pulled from Google. Um, and then total impressions is based on how many times your website shows up for a specific keyword over a given time frame. Average click-through rate is what's the average click-through rate to your website. So this will help you really understand, do you need to update your uh, page titles or meta descriptions or your content based on the keywords you're ranking for uh, to get better click-through rate. And then average position really looks at um, how over all the keywords you're ranking for, getting impressions for or clicks, what's the average position your website's ranking for those keywords. And then lastly, here's dimensions. So you can break that down uh, at a granular level, looking at queries, which are keywords. So you can see all the keywords that your uh, website's getting uh, clicks and impressions for within Google. You can also look at the pages and it breaks it down with the same kind of, uh, you know, overview of metrics. You can look at it from a country uh, and device and many other dimension uh, um, visibility options that will allow you to kind of dig into your search uh, results when it comes to how your website's ranking in Google. Now, we hardly ever use a search console performance report. Um, as I alluded to earlier, we focus on the search analytics for sheets um, uh, software. And this is a free tool. It's an add-on to Google, uh, Google um, search, which is like your Google search, uh, Excel search uh, platform. Um, and essentially what this tool does is it, it pulls the data from Search Console, but then you can also back it up through this tool. So I'm gonna show you, show you guys a live ex example of that. So for MedRank, it pulls in all the keywords, all the landing pages associated with those keywords. And then you, you obviously can analyze clicks, impressions, click-through rate and position uh, for uh, those keywords and landing pages. So real quick, what I wanna show you here is on the side over here where you can see uh, the search um, analytics for sheet for sheets um, sidebar essentially all we've done here is we grouped it by query and page and then we pulled all this data into the api that we have synced with search console through this uh, software and what i love about this and why this is different from the performance report is that you can't pull this data or you can't map this data together that easily within Search Console. Search Console. So when you look at this performance report, even if you export this, it's going to export it in different tabs for like queries and pages separately. Yes, you can manipulate the data, you can create um, pivot charts and you can connect all the dots together, but that may take time. So what I love about Search Console or Search um, for Sheets is that, or Search Analytics for Sheets is that it will map this data together for you automatically. So it just makes it easier to map keywords to landing page based on all the metrics you wanna analyze. All right, so Search Console URL inspection. So essentially the, the main focus of this, um, this feature within Search Console is every time we create a landing page on, the, on a client's website or a blog post, uh, we're going to uh, submit that URL instantly within Search Console. So if I go to a URL inspection within MedRank Interactive, and this is just a test. So uh, here's a blog post that we created um, on the MedRank, Inter Med MedRank Interactive website. And when I click on retrieve data from Google Index, so all the URL inspection is doing is telling us 
has Google indexed this site yet? And um, has it been submitted from a coverage standpoint? And then also what's the mobile usability um, uh, perspective based on how user, users are experiencing this page on, on their smartphone? So with, with this data here, you can see that the URL is on Google. Um, if it wasn't on Google, it would have an X symbol here and it would say URL is not on Google. So what you would do is you would click on request indexing. And what this tells Google is, is to index this page so that it can crawl it. So it's crawlers can crawl the page and then put this page in its search results for when someone searches for the keywords you're targeting. So it's very important you do that after every landing page you create because Google doesn't always crawl your pages instantly. Um, and in, like for, I think for one of our dental practices, we created a blog post on um, kind of the new normal with COVID-19 and how it's, how it's gonna look when patients come to their practice and how they're using PPE and uh, different um, safety measures to keep their, their staff um, and their patients safe. And that blog post ranked instantly um, within Google. I think it was like the sixth position down the day after. And usually your, web, your websites don't rank that quickly. It takes some time um, to kind of prove yourself. But because we always take this step of um, adding the URL in the inspection or the URL inspection and request indexing, it immediately gets you know, indexed and crawled by Google. So Search Console coverage. Um, so this is very similar to indexing or the ind indexing concept, but this tells you all the different pages that Google's already engaged or interacted, or interacted with when it comes to them indexing your website. And then it also can, it'll tell you all the indexing issues that may occur uh, when they're trying to take your website and putting it, put it in their database to show it in the search results. So when you look at the, the graph here, the error means if you have an error, if there's a page that shows that there's an error, all that means is that that, that page is not indexed yet. So there's something that you need to analyze on that page uh, to fix so that it can be indexed. So it could be, you know, the page has a, it has code on the back end of the page that says, do not crawl this page. For whatever reason, um, you would have a developer to move that code to um, put that uh, page in the index within the search results. Valid with warning means it's indexed by Google, but there's some issue with that page that needs to be addressed. Valid just means that the page is indexed. And then excluded means you're excluding that page for probably intentionally. So for example, if we have, let's say we have categories on our website or we have author pages that really are just authors to blog posts. So it just, it um, classifies an author that wrote that blog post, but it's, it's a landing page, but it's not a page you want to show up in the search results. We're going to put a tag for Google not to crawl that page. So that page may show up and exclude it, but I'll show you guys an example as well. So when I go to the coverage of MetaRank Interactive, um, there's no errors or there's no valid with warning or most all the pages are, are, are valid and indexed. When I click on excluded, <clears throat> it shows some pages that, you know, crawled but currently not indexed, excluded uh, by no index tag. So that means we added this tag on the back, back end to tell Google not to index that page. So if I, if I click on um, no index tag, <clears throat> You'll see some. You'll see some pages that you know that was last crawled, when it was crawled, and what page is no in, or has the no index tag. So essentially, when I click on this first landing page, 
and I click on test uh, robot, oh, sorry. If I click on um, to view this landing page, all this is is a landing page where we're, it's a login page. So Google does not need to crawl this page or index it to put it in the search results. So we tell Google not to do that. So search console sitemaps. So essentially sitemap is you're telling Google um, that you want it to crawl all your pages, all your blog posts on your website. So every time we create a page or a blog post, we're submitting it to the URL, ins URL inspection feature, but we're also, it's also automatically being included in our sitemap. So all that means is, and here's some sitemap tools that you can, uh, you can utilize as well, but essentially you would create a XML sitemap and all you'd have to do is go to um, this link here and you would type in your URL and it's going to automatically generate a sitemap that just, it's just a page that lists out all of your pages on your website and all of your blog posts. So when you take the .xml version of the sitemap, so if you look here where it says submitted sitemaps, it has a .xml version of that page, which these tools will provide to you you would just submit that uh, trailing permalink here. And once you click submit, anytime that you create a new page or a new post on your website, it's automatically gonna show up in this .xml sitemap and Google's going to crawl those pages automatically. So it's just a dual attack to make sure that your pages are being crawled. If there's any issues with those pages, Google informs you, um, but you're trying to get your pages to rank instantly or much faster within the search results this way. All right, so search uh, mobile usability. So I'm sure as, you, as most of you know, search performance or search searches from a smartphone has surpassed desktop searches. So this data looks at, you know, between 2014, 2019. So you can just see the upward trend uh, with mobile searches, which is that red line versus the desktop ver uh, searches, which is the black line. And just, it just is, is what it is. Most people are on their smartphones these days. So it's so important for your mobile website to be user-friendly, to provide a good user experience because most people are searching on their smartphones. And if you want to convert those leads into patients, uh, they, they should have a good user experience. So if I go to MedRank's um, mobile usability um, data, so typically when there's a mobile issue on your website, it's gonna be your text is too small to read or your content's wider than the screen. So typically we'll have our developers, uh, they'll be informed of these issues and they'll make adjustments uh, to the text based on the data provided in Search Console. Or let's say the, there's, a, there's a video on a landing page, but when you're on your smartphone, it looks fine on your desktop, but when you're on your smartphone, it's, it's expanded across the smart, smartphone. It just doesn't look right. So they'll have to update that as well. But in this case, if I click on text, it's too small to read. This is a landing page, again, our podcast page. So if I go to that, that, UR, or, yeah, that URL, this is a landing page that is, is not really active on the back end of our website. It's just a landing page that we created to um, as a template to create our podcast page. And so all this tells me as I'm analyzing this, it's really to delete this page because Google has crawled it and or tell it you know google to not index it or crawl it 
but also um, uh, remove this page from being indexed so that you know these type of issues are not showing up. But when I go back to the mobile usability uh, data, most of our you know pages are 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 valid and they're mobile friendly, which is a good thing. All right, so manual actions report within the search console is, is a critical report that you should always kind of be, or kind of, you know, have your eyes on when it comes to communicating with Google. Google will communicate with you directly via this report. And all it says is if you have a manual report on your website, that means Google is most likely not gonna show that website in its search results because there's a big issue on that website. So typically what we see when it comes to manual actions is that uh, let's say if we bring on a new dental practice and uh, they work with a marketing agency that was producing spammy results. So they were getting their website mentioned on a, a gambling website. It's not even re relevant to dentistry. Um, it's just a high authoritative gambling website, but they paid for their dental practice to be listed there to try to game the system. Google's, Google's algorithm is very smart and it will crawl backlinks in real time. And it will send you a manual action and tell you, hey, if you don't get this link removed, we're taking your website out of the search results. Or another example would be if you're producing content where you're, let's say you create a, a new landing page on your website and you are copying content from another website, Google can catch that pretty quickly. Um, so they're gonna send you a manual action to take that page down. Um, otherwise they're gonna move you from the search results. I would also add to that, uh, Lamar, you know, increasingly Google's algorithm is getting also really good at detecting these things. Um, so while you might not see a manual action, you might see a major drop in traffic, you know, from it, you know, different algorithms detecting this kind of stuff. If you get a manual action, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in a lot of trouble. And, and we, we don't ever see this, so I don't have anything to show, but right. uh, in everything that we do is white hat marketing. We're not trying to game the system, but you know, we've seen where we've come into a situation where it clearly, they'll tell you the issue. They'll tell you that, hey, you need to stop doing this. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna show you in a, a, another slide if you get a manual action of what to do. So security issues um, relates to more spam user generated content. So let's say you have a comment section on your blog post and people can go in and you'll see this all the time. So like they, there's these scripts that automatically run from hackers that they just find websites and they're just putting, throwing user generated content within your contact content forms or your blog forms. And essentially all it says is it could say it have foreign language and it can link to their website or it could say, you know, buy this uh, prescription and it can link to their website. Essentially, they're just, you know, just auto generating this information and having, uh, you know, filters that are spamming the crap out of people. And if you don't have the right privacy measures on your website, those comments will automatically be published on your website, which is not, not good. Um, and, or let's say if a hacker just hacks in on the back end of the website, you don't have a good SSL certificate, uh, you don't have the right uh, security measures in place, um, such as like SiteLock is a good hosting kind of security platform for your website. But if you don't have these security measures in place and uh, you know hackers are hacking on the back end of the site, Google will also 
put in the search results. They'll put their, this, like wherever your website's listed, it'll, it'll put under their verbiage that says this website um, potentially has been hacked. So that's gonna discourage people from clicking on your website, your traffic's gonna drop. Uh, once you remove uh, those, uh, those spammy files from your website, you can request a review um, for Google to reconsider your website back in the search results. This may take you know, days or weeks for that to happen, but it typically, it's typically not something you wanna have to go through because you're gonna lose credibility essentially to, you know, from, your, from your users, but also Google as well. Can I ask a so, question about that? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. You know, if, if we could, if we're doing QA later on, it's okay. Um, yeah, I just wondered a, a little bit about the process of trying to mitigate that from happening in the first place. I've seen this happen a lot on like WordPress sites, and I think, you know, we've taken kind of a combination of three different things. One is is kind of implementing a captcha on our comment forms. Uh, two is um, blocking with uh, like a WordPress plugin that does IP blocking like bad behavior. Yeah. Um, and then I think the, I can't remember what the third one is. I think the third one was, um, uh, oh, being able to have like moderation settings on your comments. And I just wondered if, if you know, you have kind of a recommendation on, on, on whether you should do all three of those or whether there's preferences with some of those. I, I think some of them, you know, is there, is there a downside from a SEO or an analytics perspective? Uh, for any of those actions, or should we just do everything and anything we can to prevent that sort of situation from coming up? Yes, yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I think you're taking the right measures for sure. Um, so to your point, yes, you would definitely want to have privacy settings on every contact form. Um, also, if you use a WordPress site, you can use WordFence. Um, it helps block, you know, IP addresses and certain countries and so forth. Um, you could also, uh, I would make sure you have an SSL certificate uh, on the website as well, uh, just to protect the, you know, the user's information as they're submitting, a co you know, contact through contact forms. Um, you could also add firewalls to go to, an, you know, take that to another level um, so that they can't even really get into your website essentially. Um, so I think those are what we've seen. That's, that's typically what we do to really uh, have a four step, uh, you know, process to really make sure that the sites are not going down. I'll give you an example where we had WordFence set up. We had uh, privacy, like the privacy plugin options. We had WordFence, um, but we didn't have a firewall, like a more kind of, there's more brute force to get into, you know, this website. And one day we walked in and the dental practice, uh, we, we logged into the website and all it was was a black screen with a skull on the, <laughs> on the front, oh, wow. like front facing. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty frustrating. Uh, but we had every measure possible, but we're just like, hey, the, the last step is really we need a fire or some kind of firewall to really stop, you know, any type of, uh, you know, uh, you know, any type of hackers being able to access the website. So essentially, when we did that, it stopped all, you know, you know, all of these, uh, you know, liabilities and issues with the site going down. So what you're saying is exactly correct. I would just say maybe SSO certificate as well, as well as a firewall. Okay. And then Lamar, I would add also like just making sure the setting that comments must be manually approved before they show like yep. like like he was saying you know any uh, if you don't have those in place they can find a way to make them you know go there's also you know like Lamar mentioned I think uh, WordFence but I think Akismet or I, I don't know if I said that right but A-K-I-S-M-E-T 
is another anti-spam plugin that's pretty common for that particular. And then, yeah, you're exactly right. And then I would say to that point, if, if you are hacked, like reset all passwords. Um, yeah. Make them sure. very, you know, <laughs> like numbers, letters, all in between just to, to make it difficult to, to hack into the back end of that yeah. Or changing like, instead of having your login URL, be it whatever your domain is, dash uh, WP dash admin, which is common. If you change it to be another extension, which, you know, you might have to work with the developer to do, but if you make it different, that just adds one more layer of. Uh, so we see this on the back end, on the email side of things, after people fill in a form, a lot of times that's routed for sales purposes. And if they put in their comment field and have uh, a link back, not only is that a, is that spam on the website, but then that, that if that goes to a salesperson that can be used to kind of uh, for a phishing attack or something along those lines, basically for that salesperson who gets, who receives the email alert at the end of the day too. So we just tried blocking all Russian traffic. This, this particular client didn't have a foot <laughs> print outside of the United States. And you said, okay, well, let's block everything outside of, outside of the continental North America. But um, somehow I feel like they're, you know, I don't think that that's quite the right way to go about it. I mean, it kind of worked, but, but you might also lose opportunities in the process of doing that too. Yeah, Michael, that's a good point. Cause I, to that, to that dental scenario. So that's essentially what we had to do as well. Um, including adding the firewall, but they're local, right? They're, you know, they're in Charlotte they're not outside of North Carolina. So it's like, well, they're not going to get, they're not getting any patients from Europe. So we, we just made that decision and, and ran with it. But to your point, yeah, like you, you may have to take that next step as well. Mm. Any other questions on security issues? Thanks. Cool. All right. So one of the reports uh, that we really like to look at as well as uh, links report. So essentially, uh, with you know when you think about backlinks again it's where another website is mentioning your client's website or your website and someone is able to access or be re redirected or rerouted to your website by clicking on your link and what this report looks at is external links versus internal links uh, top linking sites and then also top uh, linking text so external links is really you can look at all the different pages um, or all the different websites, uh, sorry, all the different pages that are being linked to uh, from other websites, you can see the total number of how many times it's being linked to by external websites. So for example, that first item there where you see organic clicks, it has 1300 uh, top, or it's being linked to 1300 times. So essentially what we do as a agency, we put our link at the bottom of every website and it says website designed by organic clicks or MetaRank Interactive, and we'd link to our homepage. So that's gonna be uh, website-wide. So you're gonna see you know, that number be um, much higher than others. Um, internal links is, uh, if you look at top link pages, so essentially we are internally linking pages together. So for example, I'm gonna go back to the dental website and show you, I'll show you guys an example. Um, so for the Our Team page, you'll see like on any website, you'll see kind of a, a blue text um, for um, when they're gonna be linked to. And my internet is so slow, but essentially, so for example, like this text here as it's loading, where it says 46 South Main Street, Davidson, North Carolina. If I click on that text, it's, or even any of this, any, you know, all this blue text here, um, you can see that if I, if I put my mouse over that, 
it's going to take me to another landing page, whether it's on the site or an external website. And the point there is really your internal linking to engage with users and keep them on your website. Now, we talked about in the beginning of this uh, webinar about if you're, if you're looking at your site content within Google Analytics and you can see that some of your pages that should be performing is not performing well enough, you may want to internally link that page to some of your top performing pages, which can help to get more visibility. Top linking sites, um, you'll see that, so again, this is more of the, you know, you can see the actual websites that are linking to you and how many times that they are actually linking to you or to your website. And for this case, again, the first one says inspirational basketball for our organic clicks brand. And that's, that's in the footer. So it's gonna be linked uh, website wide. What you wanna really focus on there is if you open up that report and you see that, like if you click on more and you see that there's websites that should not be linking to you or there's some kind of spam issue going on uh, online that you didn't know of, you wanna make sure that uh, you reach out to that website and tell them to remove uh, your business. Um, now, let, now, as we talked about manual actions or, or manual messages from Google, Let's say that website never responds. Let's say you. Let's say for us, we're MedRank, we're a marketing agency, um, and we're we're mentioned on a a gambling website, and we find that out. We don't know how it happened, but we go to them and say, "Hey, please remove us." They never respond, but then we receive a message from Google, and Google says, "Hey, your site's going to be penalized because you are you, you're running bad link uh, link scheme strategies, meaning you're 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 being mentioned on." gambling websites in your marketing agency that's not relevant. So you may have to disavow that backlink. And what that means is, so Search Console actually have, they have a disavow link and you can see the link on the slide. And essentially what'll happen is you can tell Google to not, to not make that backlink on the, uh, the gambling website qualified. So you would create a, a .txt file and all you're gonna say is in that file, this, this page um, needs to be disavowed, this website needs to be disavowed. And what Google will do is they will pretty much discount that backlink. So, that, so then when you do that, you're not penalized within the search results. Um, so it, if you ever have a client, they get that disavow message uh, because of a manual action, you definitely want to look at uh, the links report and see what websites are causing this issue. The last one is the top link text. So there it's really, you wanna look at, it's, it's all about anchor text. So again, if I go to the client example, and you can see the blue text here, that's called anchor text. So University of Maryland School of Dentistry or any of these uh, you know, keywords that are linked to, that's just the anchor text. And that's just an SEO strategy where we're trying to show relevance with Google based on how they interact with the pages that we're internally linking to or externally linking to. And the challenge there is you wanna make sure that you don't have a, in this report, you wanna make sure you don't have, like you're not trying to game the system. So you don't wanna, when you look at this report where it says top linking text that it shows, let's say for our dental practice, we wanna rank the, you know, that dental practice in Valentine. If, if Google can see that all of our anchor text on every external website says, dentists and Valentine, they're going to see we're trying to game the system. We're trying to target those exact keywords and that could essentially cause you to lose traffic, 
get a manual penalty, um, lose rankings. So uh, you want to look at that report to make sure that's not happening with your uh, anchor tech strategy. Lastly is the Google Analytics reporting. Um, so this is really uh, just a, so we're going to pull all this together to show you how we um, create the data to, uh, to, to analyze and speak to and present to our clients when it comes to pulling that information out of Google Analytics. Before I go into that report, you'll see other tools that we like. Google uh, Dashboard Studio is free. You can use an API and sync all that data together um, through connecting through Search Console or Google Analytics. Um, it's an amazing platform. Agency Analytics is uh, pretty awesome as well. It has widgets and modules that you can move around to present the data in a way that you want to uh, showcase to the client. Dash this is the same way and what, what a graph, um, they're just different they have different features, uh, uh, different, it's just a different platform. But right now what we do is we focus on creating this manually. Um, we pull this data automatically into Google Sheets, but then we report this data in a, 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 um, a Google Doc. So essentially, when we think about all the data that we discussed on this call um, from a Google Analytics perspective, organic search website traffic. So again, remember that was the, the traffic um, through the acquisition report. So we're able to see the percentage of growth month over month. Uh, we also look at this data month over month, year over year. Um, so it's just, we just break it down based on what Google Analytics is providing us. And that's paid search traffic, total website traffic. Um, we pull in keywords, but keywords are brought from different tools. So like search uh, um, SEM rush or Ahrefs, we use those tools. But essentially we pull that data and we just show campaign highlights based on the, the data trending in the right direction based on what Google Analytics is telling us. And then we're able to report the traffic based on the actual numbers um, by the marketing channel. So again, remember we talked about uh, the, the traffic based on the acquisition report. We can see the trend, um, the blue line is organic search, so all organic search traffic. And then you can see all the data and all the different marketing channels and how they're performing over time um, based on the actual numbers. Uh, website leads, we look at phone calls and contact form submission. So again, remember we talked about uh, creating a goal within the website. So every time someone lands on your contact us page, they submit the form and then lands on your thank you page. Uh, that's a goal that's gonna be tracked. And we're able to track that by marketing channel, uh, which is important to understand which marketing channels are sending the most conversions to that practice or to that customer. Um, in this case, you can see organic search is performing the best, uh, meaning they're ranking higher in Google and they're getting leads, uh, uh, becoming uh, converting patients in that practice. From a phone call perspective, we use CallRail. CallRail is a call tracking system. We love CallRail. Um, it just tracks the data. So it, it, it creates a dynamic number on the back end of the website. So if, for example, if you go to Google and you search uh, pharmacy in Charlotte and our client shows up, that person or that user is gonna see a dynamic number. And when they call that client from their smartphone from that dynamic number, we're able to track that call. We're able to record that call. We're able to show that data of how many calls came from Google uh, or Google Ads in this case. Um, pay search, Google Ads performance. So we didn't really talk about this a lot with Google Analytics, um, but we, we like Google AdWords. It gives us all the data directly from the Google AdWords platform. 
So in this case, we just show, show all the clicks to the ads um, that we're running on the back end. It also shows um, you know, some data about how many impressions, clicks, click-through rate, phone calls, and total cost. Uh, this next section for campaign details is more about keyword ranking. So uh, we showed the growth of keywords based on where they were last month or last year, based on where they are now. So we use like SimRush or Ahrefs to report this data. So in this, in this example, uh, drugstores in Charlotte NC, that's one of their targeted keywords. Uh, last month, they were in the third position. So they ranked third on the landing page or in the search results. Now they're in the number one. So we look at all, you know, all their targeted keywords and we record that data to be able to show their growth in uh, ranking uh, positions. Most visited pages, uh, again, we're pulling this data from the content pages uh, from Google Analytics. As we alluded to earlier, when we look at the top 10 list, we wanna understand which pages are getting the most, most traffic. If there's pages that are not getting uh, enough traffic, then we can add call to action on some of these top performing pages. That's gonna help direct traffic to these pages that need better performance. And then last steps is really, you know, we'll show them, uh, you know, the different strategies that we're planning on uh, executing uh, as we continue to partner with them to um, provide uh, brand awareness and new patients to their practice. Um, but yeah, that's in a nutshell, everything um, from Google Analytics all the way down to Search Console and reporting. I hope this was uh, valuable content and information um, for you guys. I hope you can uh, take some of this information. If you have any questions, uh, you can reach me um, at lamar at medrankinteractive.com. Uh, Taylor, I'll turn it over to you um, for any, any outst outstanding questions. Yeah, um, I just, you know, for in terms of the AMA, thank you, Lamar, for, for joining us. Um, you know, for everyone, um, check out our, our website for some upcoming events. We've got the B2B Brew coming up, um, and which is scheduled to be in person in a couple of weeks. And then, you know, hopefully uh, starting to return to your regular scheduled in-person programming, um, you know, uh, as we move into the summer. Um, with that, I'll uh, open it up for a few questions. Uh, we have a, a little bit of time for Lamar, um, you know, before we sign off anybody has some. Hey Lamar, um, quick question. Oh, mine's actually just really quick. For that last report, did you create, I mean, like you had used the sheets, the, the search analytics for sheets where it basically downloaded all of that. Did you just, do you just create this or do you have it sort of auto generate for you? Yeah, Kim, that's a really good question. So as this report stands, it's, a, it's, it's manually crafted. So okay. So essentially, our analyst is going into uh, Google Analytics, and we so there's another Google Sheet that I haven't I didn't show, but essentially he's recording all the data, um, and then recording or it has like automatic um, you know features or or what do you call it um, formulas, <laughs> making mm -hmm. it easy or hard on myself, but formulas that uh, will pretty much control these percentages based on the data and the raw data of if the traffic is up um, month over month. And essentially he's pretty much copying those percentages one by one here. Now, again, this is not scalable. This is not something we're gonna do long-term. It's just what right. we've done over time. But mm -hmm. uh, from your, I guess the other part of your question with Google search analytics, which is this tool, we, we mainly use this tool to analyze 
um, search performance. So for example, mm -hmm. we can see that this page, um, how to make your healthcare uh, website HIPAA compliant, is just a blog post. So what mm -hmm. we would do is we would map out, we would do a pivot table to look at all of the HIPAA compliant um, keywords and essentially see, okay, this page is getting or ranking for all these keywords. And we would look at which of these, you know, which one of these keywords is getting the most impressions. And then what that tells us is we need to optimize that landing page more specifically for those keywords so we can get higher rankings. So that's typically what we do with this report. But, but your question, uh, this is all kind of manually crafted, but with the tools that are mentioned here. So right now we're kind of enrolling into agency analytics where it's going to automatically be created without manually doing it because it's connected to APIs through Google Analytics, Search Console, and so forth. Okay, cool. Yeah, that definitely answers my question. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I'd love to ask you a little bit more. Uh, thanks for the presentation. I'm sorry I was a little bit late to this, but um, and, and so forgive me if you've already covered this, but can you kind of talk a little bit about what the current policy is for personally identifiable information and whether, you know, I've heard different kind of hacks more or less where you could put in a hash value to try and be able to, to uh, get a better sense of, of, you know, the visitors that individually that are coming to your page and so that we can kind of match that back with, with kind of high scoring individuals that have like a high behavior score or things like that. Um, is, is, is any of that starting to be allowed now or, you know, kind of what's your, what are your recommendations there to try and uh, get, get a little bit more insight at the individual level without it violating your, your agreement with Google? Yeah, so that's a really good question, uh, Michael. So what what we do, we, we don't really do any analyzing from a Google Analytics standpoint or Search Console on the behavior unless it's looking at just their interaction um, through one page to the next. So just go back to the behavior flow report. So we'll look at kind of, you know, their, their ongoing interactions from the home page all the way down to, you know, the last interaction. Now the key here is also making sure your goals are set up so you can see if there's a bottleneck, they're not landing on that thank you page and what's the reasoning. Um, but to answer your question, we, we, we add heat maps onto the back end of our websites. Mm -hmm. And uh, hot jars is one that we use. Um, there's another one that's pretty, pretty inexpensive. Um, I think we got, have you guys heard of AppSumo? What, what AppSumo? Yeah. Okay. So AppSumo is a great tool. I'm just gonna go to that real quick. But essentially AppSumo, this is where tools are, or softwares are being sold at a very low cost and you can pay for them one time. So essentially, uh, I think it's still in here, it's called Spy Session. And Spy Session is essentially a uh, platform that allows you to add heat maps to your website so you can see the behavior at, I guess at a, a customer level to understand, you know, what's happening. If, if you're, you know, if there's any AB testing that needs to, to be added to the website. Um, so that's honestly, that's what we've done from a kind of idea. One other thing that Michael, you mentioned just like PII, it is against Google's policy to push anything into Google analytics that could be considered personal to identifiable information. So obviously, Google, what we've gone through in the presentation is kind of what Google's collecting automatically, but there are some advanced ways that you can collect, you know, custom variables and other things that you define. 
but it, it Google will kick you out um, from using their platform if they find that you're uh, putting PII in their platform because it puts them at risk also. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and to that point, so like things that to consider is like if you if you have a client obviously block their IP address so that you're not you know diluting the data, but then um, I know with Google Analytics essentially because I think this was probably five or six years ago that this happened, but you could go in and see what the what keyword the user search to land on the website. If they took that out, to your point, Taylor, about not really having insights to uh, what how the customer's behave, behaving at that level. So, so yeah, they, they put a lot of restrictions on that. For sure. Right. So if you're logged in, you can't see that anymore. And most everybody's logged in when they're searching um, in, in Google now, right? So, yeah, um, I think... Well, Mar, that was when we were working together. So that it's got to be like you said, what, five, five, six years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. I was so upset when they did it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that was good data. <laughs> I know it was good. It was, it was good stuff. Great question. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Thanks. Yeah. I could, I appreciate the answers too and the insights on it. Um, do you do anything? So I noticed you mentioned you know some of the flagging that happens for kind of copying content from third-party websites. Um, uh, what about, uh, how, how, does, how, does, how does Google Search Console kind of work in the way of um, some of the real-time personalization tools that you have with websites now where you can kind of change the content based off of the IP address of the person coming in? Uh, you know, is that, uh, well, maybe that's not possible if that's all JavaScript based, I guess, off of the Search Console, but, um, um, is that is that possible? Is it you know is that potentially a workaround? So, you know, I, I'm thinking of a use case. Okay, I have a uh, a client that um, is in the automotive business. They have listings for different products, and they have a chain of retail stores. So, uh, yeah. a lot of the same. If you had a pro a page up for that product at 50 different retail locations, that would be 50 pages of the same copy, the same content. Uh, for that for that one product, but potentially if they if they implemented it one specific way, right? So, yeah. you know, could you get around that with like some real time personalization script, or, or or what's the best way that you'd kind of recommend from that standpoint from an SEO perspective to not get penalized? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So, <clears throat> like we see this all the time, and you see this with Amazon and some of these big websites where it's essentially duplicate content, but they may have changed the city or may have changed the product product name. Um, I don't think Google like frowns upon that as much if it's unique content to your website and you're copying that across different pages, but maybe you change, you know, the title or, you know, the, the location or whatever the case may be. Um, it's really when they look at pages that is blatantly known that you stole that content from a website and just copied it, then they're going to catch that. Like they're going to catch that um, for the most part. Cause I like, even like, when, yeah. we, when we create like different product pages or location pages, like let's say for example, like I've done side projects where it's been a silo of like a US map of every suburb town where we're trying to sell a product. Essentially we created, you know, all the same content, we just changed certain verbiage and we never got penalized, but it was definitely harder to rank because it wasn't custom unique content that really fit um, for what Google's guidelines are. But to your point, it's, it's pretty funny you say that. So I was on AppSumo 
not too long ago and I saw this option, it's called If So. So essentially with this uh, software, you can set filters or um, dynamic filters that you can change based on kind of where the person landed. So for example, if they landed from, or if, 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 if they, if you can, like you'll be able to see that they came from Charlotte or Wilmington or Raleigh or wherever, it will change, like if you have a city there, it will change that city dynamically um, with it, like a software like this. So that's, those are things that we're thinking about just to create a, a more unique experience. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we've gotten so far with that. Yeah, this is an issue that we dealt with, you know, has been kind of persistent for a while, Michael. I think, you know, my, my perspective, your page has to add value. If there's not something unique by the location, um, like I think an if so, like say you're talking about the weather, you know, you have pages like, you know, weather in Charlotte, weather and whatever, you know, that you're trying to rank on those terms, this is arbitrary. And then if so, you know, shows the actual weather in that place, like that is unique and useful. Yeah. Uh, whereas if it's just the literally the same exact copy and all you're subbing out is, you know, percent city name percent, that is not. And I, Google's gotten, and you might not even get a manual action. It's an algorithmic type penalty. Um, so the things that you can add, like we did a lot of like grid work, like, for pricing, like I sold electricity back in the day and we tried to have, you know, a localized grid of results to be different. Um, so, you know, the question is what is enough to, to be unique? Um, I definitely think, you know, a geo strategy is important, but it has to be, whatever, it's obviously niche dependent, but you have to add value to the user versus literally just subbing out the, the name of the, uh, geography or whatever yeah. well, I agree because it's it's pointless for you to create all these pages right. and you're not gonna drive traffic or business to your website that's right great that's good okay thanks awesome yeah I hadn't uh, seen the if so uh, app uh, Lamar that's it's really cool I've seen other things like it but nice and they're, yeah. they're an offer not that this is a paid promotion but <laughs> <laughs> what's the offer there yeah. you can find some pretty good deals in there i mean pay for it one time you get lifetime access that's, right. that's great. pretty cool so that's a that they, you put a javascript tag in there and then you just put kind of um uh, a bit of code around your divs and basically it subs it out is that is that how that works have you used it yet i haven't we, we were just kind of engaging with it just to add their experience and you know just outperform competition okay uh, we haven't got to the point of actually implementing it on, on some of our clients' websites. So we have a real-time personalization uh, module in Marketo. And one of my colleagues in the community did a presentation a couple of years ago on it. And he was saying like they, they personalized their landing. I can't remember if I mentioned this, but they personalized their homepage so that if a competitor comes on there, it looks like it's from 1992 and it's got like animated GIFs on it and all sorts of <laughs> kind of quirky stuff on there. But um you know, I, I, we never really talked about what that did from an SEO perspective. So that's why I bring it up, but I, I actually, this is probably a lot more cost effective. So I'd like to see that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's still important to have like, to go back to the city page example, slash Charlotte slash whatever with maybe a widget that's unique, but you need to have the, the keyword rich areas built out because in the example that your competitor, you know, that it varies on the homepage based on that, 
what version of the site would Google get when they crawl it? If you've got multiple things going on um, and there's variability there, that you put some rankings at risk um, yeah. in that scenario. So you've got like personalization is great. Like the consumer, you know, we are in the year of personalization from a consumer standpoint, like on the product side, like Amazon and you know, everything else, like in my industry. But I th that's uh, my, my word to the wise, you know, you don't want to, um, you know, personalize too much where, you know, Google could see different things. Right. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Uh, I know Lamar had uh, uh, so much to go through. I think we got through, we covered a lot of ground. So thank you so much again, Lamar. And, uh, you know, we will hold our last uh, digital deep dive of this programming year in July. We're trying to find, we're trying to find a place to hopefully have our end of year celebration in person. And we'll be in touch um, on that in very short order. So everybody can, can make uh, plans accordingly. Um, so uh, thank you again so much for attending and uh, we will uh, be in touch. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks Lamar. Thanks, thanks Taylor. Yeah. Bye, Bye everybody. Thanks.